What is going on? Welcome to the program. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. The phone numbers are 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. You can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and I'm on Twitter at Pete Callender. And remember, get the podcast. It's free. It's the show, basically. So if you miss any of the show, you can get it all right at your smartphone or tablet or computer, and it's free. Did I, did I mention it's free? Yeah, it's no cost. Um, all right, so I got an email yesterday when I was talking about the oil prices, and Biden just did his address where he said, you know, we're all going to have to feel the pain, and I feel your pain, you know, very Clinton-esque uh, messaging. And I got an email from David. And, I mean, honestly, the logic here is pretty undeniable. He says, uh, previous high, the previous highest gas prices were in July 2008, and Joe Biden was vice president. The new highest gas prices are now, and Joe Biden is president. He says, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here, but, I mean, facts are facts. And really, the logic is undeniable. I agree, David. Yeah, I mean, like, he was vice president, and it set a record, but then he became president, and now it's a higher record because it's a higher office. That explains it, right? <laughs> so, I kid, I kid, I know it's a very nuanced and complex uh, issue, and it is. This is one of my biggest beefs on all economic reporting. Not all economic, all right, too expansive. A lot of economic reporting is when the reporter frames a single piece of economic news as good or bad. Because there are all sorts of components as to why, uh, why that data point is what it is. And there are some good things. There are some bad things. It's complex. That is the free market, which is the fatal conceit of all central planners, right? When they think that they can, they can just put their thumbs on certain parts of the scale and direct things to happen in ways that will make, you know, society more perfected. It's one of the biggest beefs I've got with economic reporting. So all of this coverage of the the oil prices, it's it's amazing. You know, the left has its talking points here in defense of Biden. The right is attacking uh, over the Keystone Pipeline, which the left then responds, well, that's just mainly moving oil from what, Canada, down to the refineries, and then it gets exported or whatever. But if it feels like, get back to, get back to first principles here, just basic market economics, right? 101, supply and demand. If you restrain supply and demand increases or demand increases while supply goes down, you're going to have price increases. That's what happens. I said this repeatedly throughout the debates about Obamacare as well. You can ration by only one of two mechanisms. You ration by access or you ration by price. This is why I really don't believe that price gouging is a thing. Because for whatever price you want to pay, you know, you can find somebody to to charge you for it and vice versa. Oh, but Pete, it's a it's a disaster and, you know, people need chainsaws. I get it. But the person who bought the chainsaws on spec, they're hoping that, you know, somebody else doesn't show up and start cutting everybody's trees for free because out of the goodness of their heart. And if that happens, then the person who laid out all the money and tried to jack up the price in an effort to ration by price, 
right? They would eat the loss. They took on the risk. So that's sort of how I approach the the gas price story. And look, I watched, there's a gas station right down the street from my house. I saw it the other day. It was like 386 or something like that. And now it is, uh, yesterday it was over, it was like 407, 406, something like that, which I think is like the, that's the national average, $4.06 a gallon. Does the president sit at some terminal and, you know, set the price of gas? No, he does not. And I said that when George W. Bush was president and the left was attacking him over high gas prices. I said the president does not dictate gas prices. However, here's the complexity, and I'm sorry to, you know, to, to, to offer this kind of nuanced assessment. Presidents' policies can influence the markets. Congress, uh, congressional policies can influence the markets, particularly if you are attempting to restrain supply or tamp down demand or fund a competitor or competing technology like we have in the energy sector. Right. This is all very fundamental stuff. So while I understand that the Keystone Pipeline alone would not have driven down all the prices, it is part of a larger argument that the right is making and not even just the right, by the way, this is actually a bipartisan argument now. Yeah. Sorry, Democrats. You got two U.S. senators that have now signed on with the Republican position on this. I will get to that. Um, Keystone was one part. And it was indicative of the larger policy aims of the radical green energy lefties that are, you know, trying to dictate policy based on the rantings of a 12-year-old Swedish girl. Okay, I'm oversimplifying that a little, just a little bit, though. But really, like, everybody felt bad that Greta was yelling at them, no more, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, don't yell at us, child. And so they... They pushed forward with the, you know, anti-cow fart uh, legislation. So it's part of that larger uh, portfolio of regulations, of red tape. Uh, there was the effort by Biden to uh, uh, to stop the leasing and they were sued. And so they didn't fight it and the leasing of, on the public lands and such. In fact, do I have time for this? I think I do. Let me see. We'll give it a number shot. one. No more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill. Period. Ends. Right. And you know that's Biden because he's all slurry. Now, that was in 2020 during the Democratic presidential debate. And he was trying to position himself over on the leftist side of the spectrum with Bernie Sanders. And he made it very clear. Right. Oil companies. Be on the lookout because he's coming after you guys. No more uh, uh, preferential treatment, no more tax breaks, no more drilling. And the whole point here was to drive up the price of oil. So solar and renewables and wind and whatever would be more competitive. That is part of this argument as well. It is not simply the Keystone Pipeline. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. All right, so Pradeep J. Shankar 
He is an occasional contributor to National Review, Ricochet, and American Spectator. And he pointed out earlier today on Twitter that it was only about three months ago that Joe Biden was taking credit for lowering gas prices, and the media celebrated it. And he links up a story, and I have it here. It was out of the Hill by Zach Budrick. It was for this was from December. 2021, quote, Democratic strategists say that it's vital the White House use a projected fall in gas prices to counter Republican attacks by tying the decrease to Biden administration policies. Okay, Democrat strategists are saying, yikes, gas prices are high. People are complaining about it, but Gas Buddy says it's going to drop. And so when it does, you better claim credit for it declining. President Biden has taken a political hit from inflation, and gas prices in particular have done him damage. The average price at the pump when Biden took office was around $2.40 a gallon, but had risen to about $3.40 a gallon in November. Republicans have blamed Biden for the high prices, linking his energy and economic policies to across-the-board inflation and lower fuel production domestically. Right, A double whammy, if you will. This gets to the supply and demand economics 101 thing that I mentioned earlier. If you restrain the, the supply and demand remains unchanged, then prices will increase. Not to mention the inflation side of the equation, which was driven by all of the profligate spending of the new Biden administration and the Democratic Congress, but also, yes, the pandemic spending as well. You can't. We said this at the time. You cannot spend trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that we don't have and not see an impact on the inflationary rate. It's impossible. Societies have learned this lesson. Well, I guess I shouldn't say they learned the lesson. The lesson is there to be learned for societies over decades, over what, two centuries? I mean, the Romans learned this. When they started messing with their currency and putting less gold in the actual coins, you know. Republicans have blamed uh, Biden for the high prices, but after taking blows for these high prices, the White House is signaling that it wants to get some credit if there's some good news at the pump. Down at the end of the story, again, this is from The Hill, Democratic strategist Eddie Vail said it's essential that Democrats ensure a price drop at the pump is perceived as the result of White House action. So you cannot have this both ways, folks. And I'm sorry that the president gets tagged with the gas uh, gas prices, good or bad. I'm sorry. But that's been the way my entire adult life. I have, I have always seen presidents getting attacked for high ga- uh, gas prices. It's always been the way. They, they claim credit for the economic good news. They blame others for the economic bad news. It is standard. So put that aside. You've got the political messaging. Put that aside. And back to Pradeep Shankar. He says gas prices increased by 63% between Election Day 2020 and before the war in Ukraine. 63% increase in gas prices. It has increased only 26% from the November peak until now. This isn't just a Putin price hike. You can say Biden-Putin hike, I guess, 
But even that is inaccurate. The national average price is now over $4 a gallon. It's $4.06. It's reached its highest point since July of 2008, according to the AAA. The average price for a gallon of gas in Charlotte is $3.94. That is a 60 cent increase from a month ago. Many are blaming, by the way, this is Evan Moore, the Charlotte Observer. Many are blaming President Biden for the spike, citing the closure of Keystone XL Pipeline on his first day in office as the main reason. <gasps> what? Wait a minute. So are you telling me that that was simply performative? No, that was just theater. Oh, it doesn't matter now. Why did he do it? The first thing. The first thing he did was to cancel that as a signal about what? About his views on green energy. He needed the socialists' vote, and I mean like the DSA, the Bernie Bros, the AOC fangirls, like he and fanboys. Uh, he needed that contingent of the base to vote for him. And so the Keystone cancellation was part of that payoff. Uh, what I can tell you, though, Willie, is. Um, even if we drilled as much as we could, uh, the price of oil is still set globally uh, by the demand and supply conditions. And much of that supply is controlled by tyrants like Putin. And again, that's why we have resolved to speed our transition towards cleaner, more sustainable and renewable sources of energy. Oh, my God. That's Biden's deputy national security advisor, Dalip Singh, on MSNBC or NBC this morning saying if we drilled as much as we could, it really wouldn't affect the price of oil. Oh, I look forward to the fact-checking on that one as well. Yeah. Because the Charlotte Observer's Evan Moore went and did a, quote, fact-check kind of thing. Here's what we know. He didn't call it a fact-check. Okay, so it wasn't a fact-check. But is the president to blame? Many are blaming President Biden for the spike citing the closure of the Keystone Pipeline on his first day in office as the main reason. See, so, all right, so a couple things. Keep in mind, whenever you hear the fact checkers, they start off with, you know, some sort of an issue, and then they will carve out a very narrow focus inside of that issue. And in this case, it is, is the president personally responsible because of the Keystone Pipeline? But the Keystone Pipeline is only one element. People cite the Keystone Pipeline because Biden made such a big deal about it. Biden made it theater. Biden wanted our attention drawn to the fact that he was canceling this pipeline. Why would he want to do that? Why would you say, I'm canceling jobs? Like, why would you celebrate that? Because it's part of the larger portfolio of policies. That's what they were drawing attention to. That's what they wanted credit for. That was the payback for the green base to be placated. His energy policy. Next sentence from the Charlotte Observer. Though policies and legislation can affect the price of gas, can affect the price of gas, they do affect the price of gas. You're passing policies and legislation, I would assume ostensibly, about gas and fossil fuels, of course it's going to impact the price. It must impact the price. Otherwise, what is the purpose of passing the policy? There are some other factors, though, that contribute to fuel costs. So let's look at those. 
We're going to look at those instead of the policies that actually drive the prices, particularly the lack of supply. We are not energy independent. This is a national security issue. People on the right have been saying this my entire adult life. And people on the left keep talking about this transition. And any day now it's going to happen where we'll be able to plug our car into a windmill or something. Plug the military vehicles into solar panels. Maybe someday, guys. But not now. That's not, it's not today. So then they, they, they uh, tee up the, the fact check, the pseudo fact check, quasi fact check. It's actually, it's actually water carrying is what it is. It's a defense of, it's a Praetorian Guard defense of the Democrat president and his narrative. Here's how much control the president has over gas prices and what affects them. Note the very narrow design of the issue that they are going to review. How much control does the president have over gas prices? The reason for the narrow scope of the question is designed to induce the preferred result, which is that presidents don't have a lot of influence over the price of gas on any given day. However, if you are president and your party controls Congress and you guys are pushing all sorts of green energy policies, that does have an impact. So, let's take a look at the rest of the article. The president has very little control over the price of gas, according to Jeff Lennard, the vice president of strategic initiatives at the National Association of Convenience Stores. Gas prices are largely dictated by oil prices, and oil prices are dependent upon supply and demand. That's exactly what we just heard from Biden's Deputy National Security Advisor, Dalip Singh. Right? Well, it's really a supply and demand issue. Well, why don't we increase the supply? We, we have a lot of available supply, you know. We could do a lot more supply. And in fact, when the price goes up, that's a market signal, fellas. That's a market signal that we need more supply. That's how that works. That's the beauty of the market. When GovCo isn't, you know, sticking its nose in the middle of it, that's the beauty of the market. Millions and millions of people making trillions of decisions every single second, sending all of these signals. And so when you start seeing gas prices go up, now it's more profitable. So, hey, let's go ahead and hit some more tanks and get some more supply going. But what if you can't supply? What if you can't increase your supply to get it to the customers that are demanding it? Well, the prices keep going higher. Presidential control, Lennard says, is not as simple as what those posts suggest on social media. So that's what you're fact-checking now. You're fact-checking some guy tweeting out a picture of a pipeline saying, Biden killed the pipeline, that's why gas prices are so high. So you find the most simplistic argument, again, narrowly tailor your examination to just this one piece of information. He then goes on to point out that every president since 2000 has left office with gas prices higher than when they took office. Okay, wouldn't that just sort of be the natural natural tendency in in a high-spend nation like we are in that is like flirting with hyperinflation? So what are the main factors? Observer says cost of crude oil, refining costs, distribution, and taxes. Those are the four main factors. Gee, now, the cost of crude oil. 
Whatever might affect the cost of crude oil. What do you think? What might do that? We'll take a look at that up next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. My uh, Twitter friend, RB Pundit. He used to write a lot, blog a lot, contribute a lot of stuff on various websites. I think Red State was a big one. Uh, he's out of the biz, so he does all of his uh, work now. He's just a freelancer, amateur <laughs> on, the, on Twitter. He's no longer a, a paid professional. But he said, dear leftists, if you demand banning the purchase of Russian oil, but also demand that the U.S. does not increase production, then you own the gas prices. And that is entirely fair and legitimate. And no amount of water carrying by our media is going to obscure this from the public's view. You can't say. Hey, it's going to be tough, you know, no more Russian oil for us because we stand with Ukraine. But, um, yeah, we shouldn't be trying to replace that ourselves because global warming or something. Then, then the issue is yours. You've taken it because the easiest, most obvious solution, and you know me, I'm all about solutions. The most obvious and easiest solution is for us to become energy independent like we kind of were a couple of years ago. I'm old enough to remember it. It was a couple of years ago. It was like, a, like two years ago, year and a half. I mean, this is a vital national security issue, having our own energy. And one, see, here's the thing. I'm a, uh, at my core, I believe I am a bit of a pragmatist on this stuff. And so it's like the, it's like the border, for example. My view on the border is when they say build the wall, like, okay, because I'm part of the secure our borders because it is a national security issue. Once the borders are secure, then, hey, you know what? Let's talk about how do we reform the immigration system? How do we make sure that the people coming in are the people that we want to come in? Um, how many people is enough? Too many? Too little? Like, we can have all of that. Then you want to talk amnesty for some people who have been productive members of society, that sort of stuff. Like, I am interested to have all of those other conversations. I am not interested in you trying to leverage my willingness to have that conversation by holding up the border enforcement, because that is a higher priority. It is a higher priority at a national policy level. And I know sometimes like I get down these paths and I'm, I'm talking about policy and the, the way that you, that policy gets crafted and the conversations and stuff. And that's, that's different than the politics of it. And sometimes, you know, people just prefer to engage in the, the political attacks, which is fine too, because I'm perfectly capable of engaging in those as well. I'm just saying that I prefer I prefer the solutions first. But if you are unwilling or unable to have that kind of a conversation and you just prefer to roll around in the mud, well, I'm your huckleberry for that too. So if you refuse to open up our energy production and let us increase our own supply while demanding we shut down the oil from Russia, then the gas price issue is yours. Enjoy. The Charlotte Observer offers up four main factors that affect the price of gas, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Number one, the cost of crude. 
whatever might affect that. Mainly? Supply. Yes, exactly. Supply of crude oil. When the overall supply of crude oil decreases, gas prices usually rise. Hmm, wow, whatever could be the solution to that. Supply decline. This is a flat-out refusal by the administration and the left to shift off of their energy policy position. That's what we are witnessing. They have an opportunity. In fact, this is a great opportunity. Like, um, hang on. I've got mentioned it earlier. Here it is. Uh, Two Democrat senators joined the GOP in calling for U.S. to increase domestic oil production. This is over at the Daily Wire, piece by John Rigolizzo. The growing chorus of calls for increased oil production in the United States has become bipartisan as moderate Democratic senators Joe Manchin and John Tester called for producing more oil domestically instead of importing the natural resource from foreign countries. It's so obvious that only Democrats can't see it as the solution. Approached by CNN's Manu Raju in the halls of the Capitol, the two Democrats stress the importance of domestic oil production, even as the Biden administration looks to countries like Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Venezuela, uh, sorry, Venezuela, to make up gaps in the oil supply resulting from the Russian invasion of Ukraine. This, to me, is the most outrageous part of it. Just mentioned earlier the immigration uh, uh, topic. The most outrageous part to me of the immigration topic is that the people who proclaim to be the do-gooders in the scenario on, on that side of the issue are actually enabling gross atrocities, people to be abused while they claim the mantle of moral superiority. It is the most disgusting part of that entire political debate. This is the most disgusting part of this debate, which is we are now asking authoritarian nations. By the way, Wall Street Journal out today with the report that the Saudis refused to take a call from Biden, but took one from Putin. Which is weird because I thought getting Trump out and getting Biden in was going to put the adults back in charge and foreign policy would be restored to its uh, American foreign policy would be restored to its former grandeur. And, and that we would be proud of our foreign policy chops now. But now we're going to Russia, or we're going to uh, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Venezuela. What do you think we got to give up with each of those countries in order to get more oil flowing? Do you think Iran might want some, I don't know, concessions regarding their nuclear program, or as Bush used to call it, nuclear? How about um, Venezuela? I don't know. Do you think they may have some interest in trying to rework some stuff with us in our relationship to benefit them because they know we're over a barrel almost literally here? It's grotesque. Grotesque. You're you're cutting deals with authoritarians who engage in widespread and despicable abuses of their people and you're going to cut more deals with these people rather than produce it here, which by the way We can do it better and cleaner than these other countries. Like, honestly, do you think Iran cares more or less as a nation about its environment than we do? Do you think we might be in a better position to extract, move, and refine, and then distribute out that gasoline? Do you think we might be in a better 
spot to do that than Venezuela would? Oh, I know. Workers' paradise, I'm sure. Okay. News is next.